Welcome to Creation, Myth, or Miracle. This is your host, ex-atheist Richard Walker. Greetings to you once again. And once again, I'm going to ask you to put on your thinking caps and use your brains. We're going to take a brief look at two different articles from two different cosmologists, or an astrophysicist and a physicist cosmologist, talking about supposed evidence for the Big Bang. Some of you may be familiar with an apologetics organization based out of California titled Reasons to Believe. It is built entirely upon absolute belief in the Big Bang. That has been always their message. Hugh Ross, their founder, said he knew the Big Bang was true the first time he ever encountered it. He also said as soon as he read the Bible, he saw the Big Bang right there in Genesis. But just understand they are 100% committed to the Big Bang being factual. And I know I've personally never seen anybody so adamantly positive about the physical evidence for the Big Bang being proof of it, and there being no doubts whatsoever about how good this evidence is or the fact that it leads to the standard Big Bang model. In fact, oh, about a year ago, I was at a conference discussing intelligent design, or a presentation actually, not a conference, and we wound up discussing Hugh Ross and the Big Bang evidence with one of the speakers from this get-together, who happened to be a biologist, He said something to me that I thought was rather interesting. He said that he once said to Hugh Ross himself, I would like to be as positively assured about one single thing as you are about everything. And that pretty well captures the attitude and the presentation style of Hugh Ross. The Big Bang is fact and we've got gobs of evidence that just flat out prove it. And so, of course, that means those young Earth creationists are just completely wrong and ignorant of the science. And there's quite a history of discussion back and forth uh, between the Hugh Ross camp and the young Earth creationist camp. Well, on April 24th, Dr. Jeff Zwerink over at Reasons to Believe published an article titled A Response to Four Young Earth Objections to Inflation. And from the date of this publication, and when you read it, it references, remember the smoking gun proof of inflation that showed up in March? The BICEP2 experiment and the data extraction from that that was just this wonderful evidence for the inflationary epoch. In fact, the first physical evidence we ever had for inflation. And there was talk of a Nobel Prize for the discoverers of this. And now there are serious doubts about it. In fact, there were serious doubts published three days after the announcement by evolutionists. Further doubts have surfaced, and we've talked about that on this show. You could go take a look at that. Suffice it to say, they scraped data from a PDF slide, an image presented of preliminary data on a slide. They digitized the data by looking at a graph and then use that information like it was primary data. And it turns out that there are some issues with this. There have been rumors of retractions from the team themselves, although that is ambiguous. Some of the team have said, no, no, we haven't retracted anything. But let's just suffice to say there is now serious doubt about this among the entire community, both creationist and secularist. 
Well, I just went today to the Reasons to Believe website and searched BICEP2, B-I-C-E-P-2, which is the experiment name that produced the evidence, and I find only two articles, both of which are completely positive that this evidence is rock solid. There is not a word I can find that indicates there's any question about this. But if you go to the secular literature, there is substantial question about this. The people who read only what Reasons to Believe presents do not get a complete picture of this. They get one, like that biology professor said, that is so positive, we only wish we could be that sure of what we were talking about. So here's this article, a response to four young earth objections to inflation. And I didn't even notice this the first couple times I read it. The objections he listed are not to inflation. They are objections to the entire Big Bang model itself. The objections listed are objections to the Big Bang model because it contradicts not only the biblical account, but there are serious scientific issues with the Big Bang model. I've had several shows on a few of those topics. You can look there, and there's pointers to many, many other articles with a whole bunch of details on this. It is simply beyond question, no matter how much posturing anybody does. But the objections are to the Big Bang. Inflation is just this ad hoc period of time where they simply say there was this faster than light speed inflation of the universe because something like that's necessary to resolve some monumental problems with the Big Bang model. And there's no physical evidence for inflation at all, nor is there a theoretical mechanism to begin it or end it. So I suspect this was titled Objections to Inflation, to take advantage of what was in the press at the time about all this positive proof of inflation. Of course, that has since collapsed or is highly questioned, and this article has not been revised, nor is there a hint that there's a problem with that. But let's go forward from there. We'll talk about some of these details in just a moment. We're discussing a recent article published by astrophysicist Dr. Jeff Zwerink, from the Hugh Ross-led Reasons to Believe organization, and we'll also be looking at a response to it from Dr. John Hartnett, published over at creation.com, as well as on Dr. Hartnett's own website, johnhartnett.org. And as we mentioned a moment ago, the article is titled, A Response to Four Young Earth Objections to Inflation. And it begins as follows, A remarkable correspondence exists between inflationary Big Bang cosmology and the Bible's accounts of the universe's origin. Well, that sounds promising. What details do they give us about how this correspondence exists? The article goes on, Both describe a universe that began to exist, as well as the subsequent expansion of the universe, all governed by constant laws of physics specifically by the pervasive law of decay. Thus, the new evidence for an inflationary epoch, see Monday's post, provides a powerful apologetic tool to argue for the authority of the Bible. Well, first, just a brief comment on one of the aspects of correspondence that's claimed, the expansion of the universe. There are several passages that talk about the expansion of the universe, and it may well be that there's been an enormous expansion. There are multiple young earth creationist cosmologies that in fact include such an expansion. However, when you look closely at the scriptures that describe this, they say things like 
the heavens were stretched out like a tent. Now, when you stretch out a tent, it could also be translated spread out like a tent. Yes, the fabric does stretch a little bit as you pull it tight, but it certainly doesn't expand, you know, a million fold or something. So it's quite possible that those scriptural references are to a spreading out of the heavens, which would include some changes in tension, but not an enormous increase in expanse, that type of expansion. And in fact, Dr. Hartnett has recently published an article on that subject, looking closely at those issues, and he concluded that the scriptural evidence is ambiguous regarding a large-scale expansion. So we ought to keep an open mind about that, and you might want to take a look at those articles for yourself, but that's one of their correlations between the Big Bang model and what they claim Scripture says. But you'll note there were very few details here. Yes, the universe began to exist. Okay, very good. Let's take a look at some details. As you've heard me say many times, the devil's in the details. And that's precisely what Dr. John Hartnett does, is analyze a bit the details of this argument. So let's take a look at Dr. Hartnett's article, The Big Bang is Not a Reason to Believe, over at creation.com. And he notes this claim of correspondence by Dr. Zwerink in his article, A remarkable correspondence exists between inflationary Big Bang cosmology and the Bible's accounts of the universe's origin. And Hartnett says, This is his summary statement, which one would assume that his article itself will support. But if you look deeply into the details, the substance evaporates. And he says, for the moment, let's just leave aside the elephant in the kitchen, the six ordinary days of the creation week. We won't even need to discuss that obvious contradiction. But let's look at the sequence of events as specified between these two different accounts, the biblical creation account and Big Bang Evolution. And what Dr. Hartnett did, and he referenced the idea from Russ Humphreys, another young earth creationist, physicist, cosmologist, he simply listed in sequence various elements of the biblical creation and in sequence the elements of Big Bang evolution so that you can compare the two sequences. And he listed 16 consecutive elements in order for each of these two stories. So how well do they correspond? Well, let's take a look at just the first four elements in the biblical creation account. This is the sequence in which these things are discussed. First earth, then darkness, then water, then light. Well, how well does that compare with Big Bang evolution? Big Bang begins with light, followed by darkness, followed by stars, followed by water. There's essentially no correlation at all among these. And so what you can see in this graph in the article, and I highly recommend you go look at it, is if you just look at these 16 elements and the sequences in which they appear, and then contrast these two different stories, biblical creation and Big Bang evolution, you encounter 23 different collisions where they have a different order of appearance. For example, light. Light is the first thing in this sequence for Big Bang evolution of these particular elements we're looking at. Light appears in the Big Bang, out of order compared to the biblical creation, with several issues. 
Light is before darkness in the Big Bang, but after darkness in the Bible. Light is before the earth in the Big Bang, but after the earth in the biblical model. Light is before water in the Big Bang, but it's after water in the biblical account in Genesis. Similarly, the Big Bang has stars prior to the water, the solar system, the earth, dry land, life, everything else comes after stars. Because in the Big Bang, remember, stars produce all the heavy elements, all the metals. You don't have any atoms from which to make heavy stuff, dirt, anything else, until you have stars. And yet in the biblical account, stars are not made until the fourth day. And there's numerous things that precede that, such as oceans, dry land, earth, vegetation life, trees, the solar system, etc., So there really is no correlation at all. That is, if you bother to look at any of the details, of course you won't find any detailed references like this at reasons.org, they would not see this as a problem, and I'll tell you why. They don't consider the Genesis account to mean what it says. They have various stories for dealing with this. The most usual one, I believe, is they simply say, well, the days overlap. And so something could be on day four, but be prior to something on day one. And the Genesis account simply doesn't allow this at all. But it's required for them to hang on to their Big Bang evolution and still say it matches the Bible. That forces some rather strange biblical interpretation for sure. But you wouldn't notice that unless you look at the details. And you won't get those details unless you look somewhere else other than the publications of Reasons.org. We're taking a look at an article by Dr. John Hartnett titled, The Big Bang is Not a Reason to Believe, which is a response to an article from over at Reasons.org from the Reasons to Believe folks claiming to refute the young earth creationist position about several problems with the Big Bang model. Of course, the Reasons to Believe folks do not believe there are any problems with the Big Bang model. And now let's take a look at Dr. Hartnett's comments responding to the statements in Zwerink's article. To try to keep things clear, I'm going to refer to these statements as those made in the Big Bang article, since that's what it is. It's a claim that the Big Bang is solid science and theology. Anyway, the Big Bang article begins with this claim that there's a close correspondence between biblical creation and the Big Bang, saying, both describe a universe that began to exist and references Genesis 1.1 and Hebrews 11.3, Dr. Hartnett says, yes, I agree. This is the only real correspondence, a beginning in time. For this reason, in the 1950s and 60s, the atheist Big Bang believers were called evangelicals by the atheistic steady-state believers. The steady-state model has no origin in time. It is the eternal universe, and that has its own problems. The Big Bang article continues, as well as the subsequent expansion of the universe and references several verses in Isaiah. Hartnett says he clearly accepts the expansion of the universe as a fact. That fact totally depends on the correct interpretation of cosmological evidence. My assessment of that evidence, and he references several articles, is that it is equivocal. The currently available observational evidence could fit either an expanding or a static universe. See my article, Does Observational Evidence Indicate the Universe is Expanding? 
Read both parts 1 and 2 for more on this. But more importantly, as a Christian, one should be careful about blithely stating, believing, or implying that the list of scriptures describe cosmological expansion. I have been guilty of that mistake myself. But after looking into the Hebrew meaning of those passages, I came to the conclusion that one could never exegete a meaning of cosmological expansion of the universe, certainly not by a factor of ten. The most distant galaxies have redshifts, Z, of about ten, and we are supposed to be seeing them at an epoch only a few billion years after the Big Bang beginning, nor by a factor of a thousand, which would represent the supposed amount of expansion since Big Bang Fireball, some 380,000 years after the Big Bang, nor by nearly infinity, about 10 to the 30th power, if you believe the cosmic inflation scenario to be true. Read, Does the Bible really describe expansion of the universe? Pointer to yet another article. Dr. Hartnett's caution is well meant here. He himself, as he said, has been guilty of presenting that Scripture taught a physical expansion of the universe, and a large one at that. These are enormous expansions, not small ones. But upon closer reflection, that is not at all what one would get strictly from the Hebrew in these passages. This is a subject well worth the study. The Big Bang article goes on, All governed by constant laws of physics, see Jeremiah 33.25, specifically by the pervasive law of decay, Romans chapter 8, 18 through 21. Hartness says, I agree again. God's laws of physics can be trusted. In Jeremiah thirty-three twenty-five, the Lord Jehovah is telling us that his word, his promises, can be trusted as much as the laws that govern the universe. But his word says nothing about Big Bang fudge factors used to support a false model when tested against astronomical evidence. The Big Bang article continues, Thus, the new evidence for an inflationary epoch, see Monday's post, provides a powerful apologetic tool to argue for the authority of the Bible. Hartnett says, no, it doesn't. If it turns out that the atheist community eventually reject the inflationary epoch for some other fairy dust, where will Jeff Zwerink and Hugh Ross be? They have developed their theology based on the theories of man. Many secular cosmologists themselves doubt the idea that the inflationary epoch has been detected. That is the heart of the problem. The only source of truth for an apologetic is the plain reading of God's words, not some twisting and resting of scriptures to make them fit man's atheistic theories. Scripture does not need man's fanciful ideas to prove God's authority in his words. All scripture needs is that you believe it. I would like to interject here also, Jesus responded to those who demanded signs that proved he was the Messiah, that he was telling the truth. He said, you will only be given the sign of Jonah. That was his resurrection after three days in the tomb. We do have physical evidence that God's word is true. It has nothing to do with the Big Bang. The physical evidence, the most important one, is the resurrection of Jesus himself. Reasons to Believe continually gives the impression that there are no problems with the Big Bang cosmology, that the science is rock solid and really well worked out, and we can therefore know it's true 
And then we can look for some kind of correspondence with the Bible and use that as evidence for the authority of the Bible. What they ignore is the nature of cosmology itself. According to astrophysicist Dr. Richard Liu, quote, cosmology is not even astrophysics. All the principal assumptions in this field are unverified or unverifiable in the laboratory. As Hartnett says, this is the problem. Those like Zwerink who believe God used the Big Bang and all aspects of cosmic evolution, except for Darwinian biological evolution, to create, also misunderstand the true nature of cosmology. They mistakenly believe it is like repeatably testable experimental science, like I do in my research lab on Earth, but it is not. It is quite different. We have no access to the past, and cosmology is rather unique because it is limited by what is called cosmic variance. We only see a limited picture of the universe. Our supposed understanding of the cosmos as a whole is driven completely by unproven mathematical simulations built on top of unprovable assumptions. And in the very limited time we have left in this show, I want to look at one specific statement from the Big Bang article to see how well it really does refute the claims from the Young Earth creationists. And this claim is not from Young Earth creationists at all. It's from a published article in the Astrophysical Journal in which Dr. Liu and others analyzed 31 galaxy clusters and found that on average they did not cast a shadow in the foreground of these clusters from the supposed background light source of the Big Bang fireball. That the cosmic microwave background radiation. What's going on here is the CMB is supposed to be behind everything, and therefore everything in front of it ought to cast a shadow. They looked for this and did not find it, at least not all the time. In his article, Dr. Liu said either it, meaning this microwave background, isn't coming from behind the clusters, which means the Big Bang is blown away, or there is something else going on. In response to this, the Big Bang article says, Research published last year demonstrated a measurement of both the thermal and kinetic SZ effect from a massive galaxy cluster. In other words, the expected distortion in the CMB has been detected. Well, that sounds pretty good, but as Hartnett notes, it seems that Zwerink is using a sort of bluff and bluster technique. The paper he cites measured the thermal and kinetic SE signals of a single cluster and its subclusters. So what? No argument there. Now, the kinetic effect was used to detect motions of subclusters. That has nothing to do with the point. I'm not even sure why that was included, other than maybe it sounds good. Dr. Liu measured the thermal SZ effect in 31 clusters and found that only one quarter of the sample of 31 showed the necessary shadowing. If the CMB radiation was from the Big Bang, all clusters would show a decrement or a shadowing effect, and they don't. So Zwerwink citing an article in which one cluster demonstrate this effect adds no new information whatsoever. The original article referenced by the Young Earth Creationist by Dr. Liu and others noted that one quarter of their sample did show this uh, shadowing effect. And yet, Zwerink acts like he's refuted the entire argument. That's a total non-sequitur, or, as Hartnett commented, bluff and bluster. But those of you who haven't read any of the original articles or any of the other analysis by Young Earth creationists, 
might be convinced by these very positive-sounding words. Don't be. Use your brain for yourself. There are enormous problems with the Big Bang model. In fact, there are multiple Big Bang models because no single one works. One thing's for sure, the physical evidence in support of the standard Big Bang model is certainly not so solid that one should completely reinterpret the creation account in the Bible to accommodate it. That is for sure. Once again, when you look at the details, you find out that there is no real evidence out there in the realm of science that contradicts the plain meaning of the biblical creation account. The evidence for the truth of Scripture and for the existence of God the Creator are indeed all around us. We simply have to look. SeaCreationMythOrMiracle.com